Yeah. Oh, hold on. Let, let's test it. Sorry if you guys are listening to this, a recording of this. We're just trying this out for, for, for the first time. Um, let's see if it's actually like it's actually working. Now live on your channel, Inflation and Monetary Policy. Great. It looks like it's working. All right. <laughs> cool. Um, welcome back to the podcast, guys. And um, I would say, first of all, I think uh, maybe we owe a little bit of explanation of, of what happened. Yep. Uh, maybe, Har, you can go first. I'll toss the, the top potato over to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, I've been in prison for the last six months. So uh, <laughs> I, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, insider trading can, uh, they can actually arrest you for that. Uh, I found out the hard way. So, uh, <laughs> so no, so seriously, we were, we've just been, you know, Becco and I both have, uh, you know, full-time jobs and he's got a, a startup. I've got a, a startup that's now in year seven or eight. Uh, and we're just, we were just busy and, uh, we don't no longer live together and well, we never lived together, but we were in the same city uh, for the first several years of the podcast. So um, this is the first time, uh, you know, that we're, we, we, it's just hard to sync up schedules, but hopefully with this live stream setup, we'll actually be able to just uh, hit the, 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 you know, the live button and just record and present all the same stuff that we were always doing. So, yeah, I'll just add to that. Um, I know there has been a lot of um, communication to our emails saying, where the hell are you guys? Like, you know, so I really appreciate everybody that reached out and is continuing to enjoy the podcast. So thank you, first of all. And then secondly, just want to talk about what Hari said. I, you know, both of us, it's interesting because we're talking about value investing, which is kind of the old, but perhaps outdated, you know, some might say it's outdated discipline of investing where, you know, it's sort of like looking backward. And then us, we work in sort of the technology frontier. We run our own startups. And, and so we live this interesting, we, 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 we it's, a, it's an interesting combination of startup, tech startup, entrepreneurship. And then we also have, you know, this interest in value investing. Anyway, long story short, we've been super busy with growing our own startup and it's just been really busy to make time. Um, but with this new setup, what we hope to do from here on out is instead of, you know, having one of the problems was, you know, one of the issues with us was that, like Hari said, we don't live together. Um, and it's just difficult to coordinate time. And for us to find time out of our schedule, it just became really a big burden. But on top of that, we have to do a bunch of editing and that just took a lot of energy out of us. So instead of all that, let's say, you know, fuck all that, let's just let's just hit record and talk about what's on our mind. And then, you know, when we do our analysis, we'll just do it live. We'll just do it live. And, you know, we'll spend some time, obviously preparing. We'll do it live, answer any questions you guys might have. I think this is just a better way to, for us to get it going. And also I think it's a better engagement where if you want to actually jump on to live stream and, and ask any questions, I think that, you know, I think that would be a much more engaging medium. So uh, excited to be back. I'm excited to be back, and there's so much to talk about. And so, yeah, that's just well, a quick summary. 
Yeah, and before we get into the topic today, you know, all of the same avenues that you have to reach out to us, uh, the the email info at valueinvestor.org is still active and we still, you know, read it. Um, and if you want to get on our Slack channel so that you can ask us questions, please, you know, take advantage of that info at valueinvestor.org. Um, and what will also really help us is to boost our um, engagement, make the YouTube algorithm give us more is to subscribe uh, and hit the notification bell. And if you can comment either on the chat uh, when we're live or afterwards, that would really help us because that's how um, YouTube kind of promotes our content. Um, and then I think we've got a lot of stuff we'll be announcing over the next few weeks in terms of um, exciting things that we're doing to help get everyone back on ed the education, you know, the you know, our goal with this podcast has always been to educate people. Uh, and we want to, you know, continue to do that because it's beneficial for us, um, you know, to talk about it, to engage with people, to have our ideas challenged. But I think the other thing that would really, you know, kind of keep this podcast on track every week is getting some monetization out of it. Because uh, for us to, you know, to do this on our own time, as Becco and talked about, you know, if we're so busy, but if there's, you know, if, if we're getting paid to do it, then it's a different story, right? And that means that we'll show up every week, uh, you know, and so we're, we're trying to get there. You know, we've talked about that in the past, but haven't, you know, pushed it forward. But I think this time we're going to make a, make a uh, concerted effort to get there so that you guys um, can actually engage with us and get more out of this entire thing. And that means that, um, you know, we may, you know, start talking about, you know, some uh, various ways that you can help pay for the for certain things, either uh, through you know paid content or other you know otherwise. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk we'll talk more about that um, once we have a little bit more detail on that. But um, should we just get started? Should we get started on these interesting yeah. macro topics? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Where should we go first? I think we should talk about inflation. Well, inflation. I mean. I think it's probably the uh, the number one topic on everybody's mind right now, um, and I don't know that of any country in the world right now that isn't experiencing you know some sort of inflation from the last two years of you know free spending. So uh, it's a really important thing because it's it essentially destroys your you know any money that you save in your your bank account is going to get wiped out by uh, because it has less purchasing power. So. Um, you know, I, well, I'll, I'll ask you, Becco, like, you know, how do you, how are you seeing that affecting, you know, some of the companies that you're following? Um, let's see. Obviously the stock market has completely like shit the bed in the last couple of, of weeks and months. That's not surprising. Um, I think, let's see. How should we talk about this? I, I guess the inflation, I, it may be helpful to talk about like, why is this happening? Okay. Start, right. I mean, I think, just, I think at this point, if you're following the financial markets, you're probably aware of what's going on, but I think it's, it's important to talk about why this is happening. And perhaps we can start with like the pandemic, right? So pandemic hit and then what happened? The world shut down and then there is, and perhaps this even perhaps goes back beyond, you know, before pandemic. A lot of the oil and sort of investment that that was not made over the last 10 years in energy for example that started to bite us when it comes to like gas prices obviously the ukraine war definitely yep. made it worse 
Um, and then, so there's like the supply side, it's like the actual like commodity that's being produced and like the, the supply chain issue that's being throttled. That's, that's, you know, providing, that's, you know, cost, that's a bottleneck right there. And then the other side is the, the, the money supply that's been inflated uh, because of pandemic, a ton of, um, you know, spending from the government, you know, easy monetary policy that added to the, the buyer. And so like all of that combined just led to this incredible surge in inflation across the world. Um, and, you know, it's, it's having an impact on, on our lives now, right? It's, it's, um, you know, when you go to the, you know, when you go to buy, like, for example, for me, if I look at my spending, what do I, what do I spend my money on? I spend my money on like food. That's like the first thing that comes to my mind. It's definitely gone up. I don't know if you've noticed in Houston, but it's like, it's certainly whenever I go to this one time, I went to a pizza restaurant and then we ordered like two pies and it came to be like $60, $70, you know? Yeah. It's, um, I, yeah. I think one thing that you hit on that's really important is that, you know, when oil and gas goes up, oil and gas is an input into almost any product, right? Any physical product has to be shipped, you know, or delivered somewhere. And so you got to, you know, you've got to spend money on that. And when that doubles, you know, there was some buffer that was put in there because there was long-term price contracts on, you know, like your airlines and your, you know, trucking companies will pay gas on like a contract for three months. Eventually that contract expires and then the price goes up. And when that happens, suddenly there's a big price shock. And then, so now your food is more expensive. You know, when you go get your toiletries or, you know, from Target or whatever, right, they have to pay more to get it in the store. So it's not that the input good is necessarily gone more expensive, but the, you know, the raw materials may be the same price, but getting it to the store has become so much more expensive. And then on top of that, you have a bunch of people who didn't travel, you know, but still work from home or something like that. They saved all their money. Then the government paid them more money to sit at home, you know, and do it. And then suddenly they have all this extra cash and they've been stuck in their house for haven't seen family, haven't gone on vacation, and then they suddenly throw all their money into it. And you have the airline industry, which, you know, couldn't rehire people fast enough. You know, so they, they created disruptions there. They had, and so the natural thing is the price goes up because they can't hit all the demand. So the airline industry has raised their prices to keep up with, you know, um, you know, they, they have dwindling supply and, and, you know, high demand so that the only thing that they can naturally do is raise the prices, right? So, um, you know, when all of this comes together, right, you look at very poor uh, pandemic policy, like, you know, uh, government policy around um, the last administration, you know, the Trump administration and this one where they both administrations um, signed, you know, very large bills, you know, that uh, put trillions of dollars into the economy. Um, and a lot of that money went to, you know, PPP, you know, loans and things like that. Um, but in the last, uh, you know, last year under the Biden administration, they put $1.9 trillion in. And a lot of that money went to state and local governments. And so state and local governments, you know, essentially took that money and, um, you know, spent it on a lot of stuff that Frankly, I, th I think is, you know, was causing a lot more, um, you know, was causing a lot of this inflation, right? Like, you know, we, we'd already pushed a lot of money into the economy money. and then we did 
did a huge amount, secondary amount. So, so you know, I, I think the biggest thing I, I've seen with this is that you've you've changed the input prices for one of the most critical, you know, things, which is oil and gas. The the Russia stuff didn't help it at, at all, uh, you know. But it but it wasn't the source of the problem. This, the problem had already started, you know, uh, down the path. And now we're in a situation where we have, you know, uh, very expensive oil and gas, which, you know, the, the administration is doing very little to actually alleviate that. Um, and so it, I don't see it letting up for a long time. You know, I think four, four to five dollar gallons of gas is going to be here for a while. Looks like uh, we may have lost Becco's audio. Uh, Did you hear me? Yeah. Now, now you're back. Okay. Sorry. So, so yeah. Sorry about that. So there, it's so multifaceted. I think we need to kind of quickly summarize, right? There is the money supply that was so that was that was printed, right? Easy monetary policy that was, you know, increasing increasing the money supply that eventually led to the inflation. That's that's one aspect of it. Another aspect of it is all of the all of the supply chain issue that was sort of shut down and then pent up demand. That's another thing. And then within yep. the, within the, and perhaps if you like double click on the supply chain, there's like the raw goods that go into that. Uh, and obviously a critical part of the input into any, any manufacturing is oil and gas. And that's, that's kind of the point that you're making about the oil and gas and the Russia invasion of Ukraine, like that obviously didn't help. We can spend we can spend a whole podcast on talking about this interesting, you know, geopolitics around like Russia and what that means for oil and gas prices. But you know, I think that I think that you know not sufficiently, but I think it kind of covers the the you know just like the rough background about inflation picture. I think I think here now to let let's now talk about like the solution. What is it? What is What's the solution and what is, you know, we talk about interest rate, interest rate, like the whole financial market, by the way, I think like the whole, the thing that's so interesting about last couple of years, last three, four, even like five, six years is that macro theme dominates all financial conversation. It's like it dominates market conversation and we can get into that some other time, but it's just, it's so... (laughs) It's so um, it it touches everything because you know it's just so pervasive. Anyway, we don't have to go there, but let's talk about the interest rate um, because that's one of the ways that the government is trying to combat this at the moment. Yeah, and and I think you know because I I think it, this topic may be a little confusing or complicated. You know, so I'll try and summarize what 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 interest rates are doing. Um, you know, typically banks loan out money to, you know, to buy, you know, a house, you know, you borrow money from the bank at a certain interest rate. Well, the bank can actually borrow money from the federal, um, uh, federal government, uh, at, at a certain rate that is controlled by the federal uh, reserve. And so when they talk about the interest rate, what they're actually talking about is the federal, uh, overnight borrowing rate for the, the banks. And they, they set that rate um, and in Europe, that that rate was actually a negative number, right? For for several years, it's been a negative number, and they finally just increased it to a zero percent. 
uh, in the U.S., it's always been above zero percent, but it's been very low. Um, <clears throat> and they took the first uh, step was, you know, or the last interest rate rise was actually three quarters of a percentage point. So imagine if you're uh, that translates into a mortgage rate that was at the beginning of the uh, or middle of the pandemic was like two point five percent. Now that interest rate is like five point seven five percent. So that difference is actually enormous amount of money per month, you know, in terms of how much you have to pay, you're paying a 5% of the entire principal is essentially being paid out in interest every year. So if you paid, you know, under a two and a half percent interest rate, and you had a $100,000 home, you're paying, you know, around $2,500. But now that number is, you know, 5500. And many of these <clears throat> things mean that a house that you purchased, you know, previously purchased becomes unaffordable, right? But it's the same thing for, for, you know, for that you apply to a mortgage, you know, it applies to businesses who are borrowing money to start a new restaurant or, you know, get startup capital from a bank. They're spending that money to do the same thing. And hold on, Mark. I, I think they, I think the important fact to highlight here is that, you know, the group of, you know, I, I heard it somewhere that it was talked about like this. A group of elders come together and decide the value of money every six weeks or so. That's basically what this federal funds rate interest rate is. And right. I think what, what you're trying to say, I think the important part of you is that here is that that number that the group of elders come and decide has ripple effect everywhere, everywhere. Yep. Everywhere. Yep. So when they when they increase the interest rate, you know, you know, they're talking about 75 basis points. You know, it's like that has ripple effect everywhere, including to you, to me, every you know, businesses, everything. Yeah, um, and it's a it's yeah. a crazy concept, really. When you break it down, it's a crazy idea that they are essentially changing the value of your house overnight, right? Because something that you could afford before now you may not be able to afford that house if you refinanced your mortgage or what have you, right? They're re literally changing the value of your house by increasing the interest rate. And and for the last 10 years, that, that number has been historically low. And the current interest rate of 5.75%, we have never had interest rates below 5.75% except in the last 10 years. So this is like an unprecedentedly low value. And so now the reason they're doing all of this is they want people to stop investing into the economy because there's already too much money. So if they increase the value of stuff, people will, or I'm sorry, decrease the value of stuff, they'll stop investing and take that money and put it into savings instead um, because they can get a higher interest rate from a bond or, or, you know, or they can get a higher rate of return from a bond. Um, yeah. So I don't know if that was confusing um, to a lot of people, but. Um, the, All right, the, by the way, I'm, I'm yeah. hearing a lot of static noise from you. Maybe it's from me, I don't know. There's like. Let's see. Is that any better? Um, let's, let's, let's see. Yeah, maybe better. What did you do? Just, just switch out the off. Oh, uh, no, it's not better, actually. I'm still hearing it. Okay.
What about now? Yeah, maybe better. Let's see. Okay. Right. Uh, okay, back to the topic. So, like this federal funds rate is has you know has massive implications across across the entire economy. And what's interesting about that is that the federal funds rate is controlled by Federal Reserve in the U.S. And there's all these central banks around the world that controls you know something like that in their respective countries, and it has implications all across the globe. What's interesting about what's happening today in the backdrop of this crazy inflation is that everyone is raising interest rate. And, you know, people talk about demand destruction. You know, I've never actually heard that term before until recently. <laughs> demand destruction sounds so kind of apocalyptic. But basically what's happening is what you're talking about, right? It's like when you raise interest rate, what happens? Borrowing cost, borrowing cost goes up. If the borrowing cost goes up, then you sh then you know you're more hesitant to buy that house, or you're more hesitant to buy that car, and so your demand demand of the of the greater economy or the greater market is going down. Uh, therefore, you're sort of like you know tampering the demand, which you know which puts pressure down, downward pressure on the price, which in return you know it combats inflation, and so that's that's kind of what's happening. Um, where should we go from here? So that, I think that uh, so that talk we talked about inflation. We talked about um, interest rate. Well, I think I think we can what we can do is kind of talk about inflation and interest rates and how that impacts individual companies, right? Not not talking about a specific company, but just saying, you know, as a business owner, what does that actually mean, right? Um, and I think that's an important. You know, important thing because that's what we're ultimately here for is buying, you know, uh, stocks, uh, which have gotten hammered over the last two to three months. Um, so, you know, I guess I'll start with uh, this and ask you this question and see if you know, you know, if you've been looking at companies, you know, recently. Well, actually, before I get into that, I'm going to ask. I'm just going to put in one more thing that's that's I think is very interesting about this entire process, right? is that normally during the beginnings of a recession, we start seeing layoffs. And what is really interesting about this is that coming off of the pandemic, um, we're actually still seeing very low unemployment rates. Um, and, you know, I, I've, it's been a head scratcher for me for a while until I kind of looked at some other, you know, data um, and one of the things that's interesting about this is that there are a lot of people during the pandemic who've actually left the labor force altogether. So they found, you know, you know, they got laid off or they decided to, you know, to stay at home and not come back to the, to the, the job market. And so now you're seeing a lot of businesses trying to hire people, but can't um, because they don't have, uh, you know, the, the, the workers are just already, you know, in a job. Um, so, I mean, do you have any thoughts on that, Becco? Because to me, that's kind of a, like a, and maybe it's going to happen in the, you know, in the next few months, right? But currently we're still seeing very low unemployment rates. That's right. Yeah. So that's, that is a big head, head scratcher for me too, which is like, you know, why is it, I guess the question is why, what, what, like, what is going on? But what's also interesting is that, you know, we've heard from at least you know from like tech industry and i think this is gonna this is the case across across the board is that everybody is 
putting hiring freeze. Everybody is laid off already, and it's probably more coming. But I guess is so it, it is happening, right? So like this this dampening of the uh, of of the economic activity is 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 starting to take place. Now the question is, like, why is it so elevated to begin with? Is that is that is that your question? Well, you know, I, I mean, I look at it as, you know, with the economy being hot, right? That is is kind of what, um, you know, part of getting out of that kind of hot streak is kind of when people start sensing that they're going to lose their job or there's a potential for losing their job, they stop spending, right? They they try and retain as much savings as possible, and to kind of keep, put up a, a buffer between them and, you know, unemployment, right? And like you said, now tech companies are doing, you know, hiring freezes or they're, you know, they're not necessarily laying off people, but they're hiring freezes. Um, and we already are one quarter of negative GDP growth. Um, you know, we're in the middle of the, uh, we've just completed the second quarter, but I, I think we'll find out in the next few weeks if Q2 also had a negative thing, which I think it's pretty likely. Um, but, you know, so I guess when do we start seeing, you know, layoffs, right? Uh, you know, is that going to accelerate or are we just kind of have a, a mild recession here? You know, the economy will cool off as the inflation gets, you know, uh, you know, slows down. You know, that that's kind of the effect. Like, are we going to see more dips in the stock prices or are we going to see is really what I'm getting to, you know? I feel my my informed speculation. This is obviously just speculation. At the end of the day, it feels like there's more to go because mm -hmm. if the again, like it's kind of funny because the whole financial market and the whole like Main Street, Wall Street, both everybody is talking about interest rate hikes. <laughs> Whether you're like mom and pop shops, you know, selling pizzas or whatever or you know, your Google, everybody's talking about interest rates because that just dictates everything. And I yeah. feel that, and, 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 it, and you know, it's because this is like so important right now when the, the federal government is trying to fight inflation and they have so much sway over the economy, they're trying to like really tamp down the inflation. I think they have, a, I think they lost a lot of credibility, frankly, in the last couple of months. And I think they're trying to regain that so for them in my opinion psychologically i think it's very difficult to, for them to say you know maybe we'll pause on the pause on the interest rate hikes i think it's very difficult for them to do that at the moment i think they'll do whatever they can to smash this inflation down to the ground which means that you know more demand destruction like we talked about which means which you know translates into more layoffs and you know foreclosures and you know housing market get, is going to get touched i think that's coming that's my thinking. I think it's coming. Uh, I think I think part of it is just Federal Reserve trying to like you know maintain their reputation that's been tarnished over the last couple of months. Um, that, well, that, that's my sense. I mean, I think you're right. Uh, you know, a lot of people have. I, I mean, there were a lot of people who didn't ever really have faith in it in the federal government and the federal the Fed especially, but I think they miscalculated they didn't think that uh inflation was going to be really all that bad and i think they had an opportunity early on to raise the interest rate much 
faster and kind of slow things down much quicker and instead just kind of said, oh, it's not going to be so bad. Or, I mean, I think they even said, you know, we didn't anticipate there was going to be any inflation, right? And it's like, well, you know, everybody said that. I mean, you and I have said that since, you know, early on in the pandemic, right? When we started seeing these bills, I mean, it's not like we don't know anything more than these people. I mean, I, I would hope that they actually know more than we do. But, you know, when you pour mo more money into the economy, you know, the natural thing is uh, is going to be inflation, right? Um, and and I, I think that's what we saw. And and I'm, frankly, I think it, it what it should mean is that as Americans or as any, you know, citizen that has a Federal Reserve type banking system, we should be very highly skeptical of their ability to actually protect, you know, against, you know, events like this because they're political animals more so than anything. Right. And I think they didn't want to raise interest rates because it would look bad for the administration. And I think that's why you're seeing this, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think we could get into like you know, philosophical discussion about what this means, but it just feels very old. Uh, it feels kind of like a very old system. You know, you have these group of elders that come together to decide the value of money every six weeks. Well, the yeah. economy is changing so fast. You know, how is how are they going to be able to do that you know, effectively? I think that's a big question for me. I think another question for me is like, okay, like we're freedom loving, you know, maybe this gets into kind of the philosophical angle a bit, but like, you know, uh, the road to serfdom, I suppose, it's the, the tyranny of the government, you know, we could talk about sort of that, but like it's, you know, like top down controlled systems are, are, are kind of inherently, uh, are fragile are kind of inherently fragile because the, you know being able to kind of pivot and adapt very quickly you know people you know people, you know, people talk about anti-fragile and fragile fragility and anti-fragility um what's his name uh, taleb um when you have a top-down controlled system where the feedback loop is very slow it, it leads to a very fragile system it can break very easily whereas if it's more nimble it can course correct that's an anti-fragile system that can learn from itself and and improve over time. Right now, it, it just it just doesn't feel like the system is in place to iteratively learn and actually grow. Um, so I don't know. That's just kind of my my thinking on this. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right. Right. It it is a system that you know we set market rates for almost everything in a capitalist society, and. And, and, and this is something that's set by fiat instead of like by any market driven, you know, forces. Um, and so, yeah, I agree with you. Like it, it's a problem. So, yeah, but let's, uh, we're, uh, yeah, we're going to wrap it up here in the next few minutes. So why don't we look at, just talk about it. You know, what do you see is going to happen in the next, you know, six to 12 months for companies, I think. Right. You know, do we think, you know, we're going to see more earnings problems because of this? What about debt for companies now that they may have to, yeah, you won't be able to take on debt uh, at, you know, at favorable interest rates? Uh, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts there? Well, I'll, I'll speak. And maybe I, I think perhaps this is interesting discussion here because we're both operators of the company, of, um, right. you know, of companies. Obviously, you got, you're much further ahead than, than I am. But I think, I think, um, if I put 
my entrepreneurship hat on, like an operator hat on, and, and look at this environment. I think it's going to be very tough. I think both of, both of us are in the healthcare um, sort of healthcare adjacent space, so we're not going to be impacted so much uh, by this. But you know, I look at this macro environment and think, man, like it's going to be very difficult to raise money. It's going to be very difficult to access capital. If you are trying to access capital through debt market, um, you know, you have to think about the interest rate. Clearly, I would say like the big cap companies in the stock market, I think there's going to be some, uh, you know, I, I think we're going to get like earnings recession. People talk about how earnings is going to get hit this quarter, next quarter. And, um, and so what you're going to see is PE compression in the market. That's what I think. Um, yeah. So the multiples are going to get squeezed um, even more. You know, some, some people are are thinking beyond this. This is, again, this is like so perverted because everybody is playing this speculative game now because it's so manipulated by the Federal Reserve. Everybody, everybody, like even, you know, even like value investing, let's think about that. Like in the world where every financial or market discussion is dictated by interest rate, it's very, it's very difficult to, it's like very, very difficult to have like an honest conversation about like the performance of the company by itself in isolation because the macro picture impacts us so much. And so everybody now is like speculating what's going to happen, you know, interest rates going to go up or down and, you know, like, and so some people are speculating that, oh, Fed can't raise interest rate all that much and they're going to have to pivot. And this pivot is going to come sometime in like the third quarter, fourth quarter, or maybe first quarter next year. And so like some people are thinking that maybe the bottom is in. I don't know. Like it's all speculation, in my opinion. But I mean, that's the world that we live in. And I think we have to be cognizant of about that. Um, I don't know. I just ramble off a bunch of stuff there. I don't know. Well, I think I'll, I'll amplify one of the things that you said, which I think is really important, which is the PE compression. I think is going to be a big, big deal. You know, there are a lot of companies that I, when, you know, when I'm looking at um, uh, just going through, flipping through the value line uh, investment survey, which is one of my ways to find deals, is a lot of companies had no growth, had no, you know, going kind of sideways in terms of revenue for a long time. And they were getting multiples of PEs of 30, you know, and if you looked at those same companies, um, 10, 15 years ago, you know, with interest rates roughly equivalent to what we have today, those PEs were like 15, right? And, you know, that 15 is still pretty high when you really get down to it because you can get a private business for six to eight, a PE of six to eight. So you're still talking about a premium on the public market. But 30 is, you know, I mean, that that's essentially telling you it's going to take 30 years to pay back, you know, your purchase price in earnings. And that's for a business that is not growing, right? You know, I, I would hope to not pay more than five or six as a value investor, you know, for something like that, and probably even less than that in, in, in a real, you know, scenario. So I think that the inflationly, like the in, uh, inflated valuations of these businesses is going to get hammered very quickly because of this. And, you know, it, it, I, I, I don't think, 
what we're going to see is the valuation of a lot of these things is going to drop. We're going to probably see an earnings recession, but then the tech companies will come back up because they've gotten a PE, you know, uh, they've gotten gotten a premium on their PE. But I'm, I don't think you're going to see that in a lot of other businesses that are kind of the the also ran companies like average return on capital businesses shouldn't deserve a high multiple. And I, I think that we'll start to see more of a normalization of that. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think the, the peak compression is going to happen. I think, you know, you know, potentially this could be a good opportunity to buy some of the companies that you always wanted to own. That is always yep. be a good compounder of your capital. I think this could be an opportunity. I also, you know, again, kind of not to not, not to divert the conversation too much into the macro picture, but like if they if the Federal Reserve decides to just like go back to the easy money, easy monetary policy again. My concern is that those like crazy high number nosebleed inflation or nosebleed valuation, they're going to come back. If their interest rates, you know, gets down to what it was before, like it's it's going to like these nose these crazy valuations, they're going to come back. Um, and, you know, speculative euphoric kind of you know, betting is going to start taking place again, like we saw in the last couple of years. So now I think about that, I, I'm not sure how to grapple with that. It, it's, it's, it seems like a timing game and it seems like it's, it's very difficult to navigate. But certainly, I think in the very short term, I think the peak compression is going to happen, which could be a good opportunity for us to look at really good companies that's, you know, has, has good modes and all, all these things that we talk about. Um, I think it could be a good opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's probably a good place for us to, to stop. You know, we've gotten, uh, I think we covered a lot of good topics here on inflation, uh, the interest rate, you know, labor, the labor market, and then where do we see this? Um, and, you know, I think we're going to have, you know, as we get back on track here in terms of our recording of the podcast, we'll cover a lot more of these topics, I think, in depth, you know, going forward. So, um, but I would say if you have um, any topics that are of interest, uh, you know, please comment on the on YouTube uh, asking ask us what you'd like us to cover next uh, or send us an email info at valueinvestor.org or ask us on the Slack channel uh, would really help us out. Um, you know, if you can also comment and uh, like and subscribe to the, the channel if you haven't already. Yeah. Well, it's good to be back, Kari. And uh, let's let's continue. And it's, it's fun, you know. This, yeah. Uh, and so I hope you guys enjoyed the show. Definitely leave, leave a comment down below at the chat. Um, and um, yeah, well, look, looking forward to making more of these uh, more of these live streams. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, everybody. All right. We'll see you.